Hello everyone, I am Judah Bernard of the Rise Creating Your Voice. I am the wisdom dialoguer and the motivational warrior of the Rise Creating Your Voice. First and foremost, we would like to welcome you tonight to our podcast and we're live here, pod being live on the air and we're just excited to be here. We want people to come on in, come on in, come on in. We have a couple of housekeeping rules. We're gonna go ahead and drop them in the chat. And we wanna introduce our guest speaker for tonight, who is none other than Stephen Martin. We're gonna be talking about, number one is perception versus ideology. I want people to understand from the beginning, what does perception mean? Perception in every ability is, and I want to give a definition so people can understand what we're talking about tonight, is the actual, the ability to see, hear, or become aware of something through the senses. It can also be the state of being or process of becoming aware of something through the senses. We want to tackle that first and then talk about ideology next, which is the ideas and the manner of thinking um, thinking of a char characteristic of a group, social class, or an individual. We want to definitely bring on our special guest, Stephen Martin, because I know we have a lot to say specifically about perception and ideology. Let's welcome Stephen. Hello, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you now. I was like, okay, <laughs> there we go. Using my headset before. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, great, as far great. as today's talk, I mean, it's good to start off with an understanding of what perception and ideology mean. Uh, if you Google either definition, you know, it's pretty straightforward. Perception is going to be about what you perceive, what you see through your senses. So, what you understand based on what you've experienced. And then ideology is going to come from things you've been taught, things you've learned, things you've experienced and come to understand on your own. So we're kind of, we're kind of going to explain more or less as to how both are important to understand, but more or less how to understand how they should coexist as well. And uh, I think that's going to be a tough one to touch base on today, but we're going to do our best to get it done in 30 minutes. Yes, we're, we're trying our best. We're trying our best. So I think what I have to come from from the um, perception view is I think more so, and I know that the eyes play tricks on us, so does the brain, because sometimes we actually look at things as we see it in our perception, and sometimes we perceive things as we see too as well, because basically if somebody is doing a social movement or a social statue like folding their arms. One's perception can be that they are upset. But I beg to differ because from the South, I fold my arms and I'm not mad. I'm actually listening in to hear you. So I think sometimes perceptions can be misconstrued and or screwed and also brought to a fact of it depends on from a geographical lo location too as well. What are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, that definitely plays a part um, on 
how things are perceived because you can go to different countries and you can go to different states, you can go to different cities and do things, whether it's the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you carry yourself and offend people or feel different than that of the nature and culture of the people around you. So it's a, it's a perfect example of how even just outside of your own city lines, your own state lines or your own country lines, things which that you go about doing every day without thinking about twice might very well offend people or not be the norm for them. And the reason that being is a lot of what we think and we understand to be right and wrong is based on what we've come to one experience. And that's going to be the whole, you know, perception aspect of, or not perception aspect. It's going to be the whole perception aspect and the senses kind of thing where we, we go through life's experiences and that's what teaches us what makes us feel good and what makes us feel bad. And also what we've been taught, uh, whether it be through culture, religion, uh, politics, the world around us, the very environment that we keep, things like that. So I think a big part of something to take away from today is that what we're going to be discussing is the general sense of things and the, the more human sense of things without having to really think about lines, walls, cultures, uh, borders, the whole nine. We're going to think about the human perception and the human ideology in uh, the simplest sense that we can. So do we feel that perception is reality? No, uh, okay. because a lot of what we can sometimes perceive to be the truth is not always in fact that. And that's just been proven through science, that's been proven through history, that's been proven through religion, that's been proven through a variety of factors in our lives where a lot of the inexplicable we've come to develop our own answers for a lot of the things that we can't explain we've decided to make up our own answers for in a lot of ways okay. too because it's easier for us to try and come up with some sort of answer than to just accept that we don't know anything about it and uh, that's why perception can be tricky because a lot of times we can sometimes mis misconstrue things or we can deceive ourselves into believing that we are seeing something or hearing something or feeling something that's ultimately not there. Right, right. So I think for me, or and I know the thing is, perception is really not reality. Perception can become a personal reality when it's practiced often, but is it actually reality after that? Because as I see it, if it continues to show the value of truth in that individual eyes only, does that bring reality to that person? Or is there a difference because perception has a potent influence on how we look at reality? Well, I'll ask you to ask the question again, but simpler. Just think about okay. the same question, but more or less what you're trying to get out of an answer. So we talked about perception as being reality. And it's not reality. But my thing is, once a person practice it more often and they're perceiving it, that's sort of like when you see, know that a strawberry is red. So is that reality? It's a difficult question to answer because the only reality we know is that when we were in kindergarten and we had our coloring books and we had our, you know, way of learning things then they told you this that you're looking at and that you see and you perceive is blue and this over here is green and this is red but it's only because we were taught these things and told that this is what our perception is that we come to understand them to be what they are 
So it's true in a sense, yes, in our reality, in our understanding, strawberries are red, but the same ideology applies where we're being taught everything that we come to understand, and that's why we've come to perceive things the way that we do. So it's a tough question to answer because reality, in a sense, is a lot of what you make it. And yes. uh, that's a big part of what the show is supposed to be, is to make you better understand how you influence your own reality in a lot of ways. Yes. And that's one thing that I'm trying to get people to see. Number one is perception is how you view things. But then again, perception can come from a social um, social aspect, too, as well, because if somebody is perceiving that and you all are together perceiving that one thing is that now an ideology and it becomes an idea. Definitely. Say that again? No, I said definitely. I agree with you. Yes. So one thing is I want people to understand, number one, I want to do an example. And I know this may trigger people and things like that, but I'm going to do this an example. Let's say an event occurs in your life. You have the choice about how you respond to it. And let's say you have a death in the family. And we're using this example simply because we understand it's something that everybody goes through. You can choose to see that event as something terrible and tragic to which you will respond accordingly. Or you can choose to see that event as something that inspires you to make something more of your life, living every day as if it was the last, so to speak. So my question is, from the example, you may or not have control over the events in your life, but you certainly can have control, take control of how you respond to them. That part of life will always be within your power. This is where life gets interesting because you shape your own reality through your beliefs. I don't know how many people believe in that, but I know I kind of switched up on that perspective of death. Um, basically, um, because I that's how I thought of it and that's how I learned it. And that was my belief in my familiar area of it. But when I grew older, I started appreciating and start being more inspired by death because I understand that we all have to die. What are your thoughts, Steven? Well, I definitely have a heavy influence on my day-to-day -day basis with the ideology that today could always be your last. One of my first tattoos ever, I was, I think, just turning 18. I just turned 18 within a few months. And uh, there was a song by a band I really appreciated at the time and still now, and the name of the song was called Seize the Day. And in the lyrics it says, seize the day or die with regret. And that was something which that resonated with me early because I recognized that having been already so young and having, having had a couple life and death near experiences already, I recognized the fragility of life early on. And I knew that it was important for me to appreciate each day as best I could because there was no guarantee of the next. And then of course, as you get older, I'm almost 30 now. And you know, it's been a decade plus since I have seen a lot of people come and go in my life, whether it just be through relationships or because I've lost them through death. And uh, within the last handful of years, I lost two of my best friends within six months of each other. 
And the way that resonated with me and the way I treat death differently now, as you do now as well, is that in the past, the only way I could really deal with death was just to mourn and to numb myself one way or another, to try and not think about it, but not always in the healthiest of mannerisms. Whereas now, having lost two people who were very close to me and who influenced me in a lot of great ways, rather than taking on the depression and taking on the mourning process and prolonging those things for myself, I took the necessary amount of time it was for healing and to, and to cry and to feel the loss and to understand ultimately that that loss was present and there, but that I also recognized what these people meant to me and what they would have wanted for me. And being two of my best friends, these are people which I had adventures with, I'd go ride motorcycles with, I'd go do fun things with, I'd go live my life with. And I'd enjoy every moment of it and laughter and fun. And it was exactly what it was supposed to be. And those were my best friends. So I knew instead of me moping about and feeling sorry for myself because I had lost them, I had to recognize that through the fragility of life and something which I've already been conscious of for such a long time, that it just had to make me appreciate the fact of the matter that I'm still here to live it. And so long as I'm still here to live it, I have a choice. My choice is I can either wallow in it and suffer the consequence that there are downsides to this life and death being a part of them or recognize the upside to the fact of the matter that I'm still here. And I think that's something that people take for granted is that I'm still here. Mm -hmm. And whether or not the world is burning around me, I still have breath in my lungs. I still have thoughts in my brain. And I still have feelings in my heart that allow me to do something. And whether or not I do something is my choice. But ultimately, to wallow in mourning, to wallow in feeling sorry for myself or for others or for everything else, it's actions that move mountains. And a lot of times, feelings are the supporting factor behind that, but it's actions, ultimately, that make that happen. So for me, I, I look at death the same way now, where it has to be an aspiration or an inspiration. Because the latter is to just be sad and bummed out and do nothing. And ultimately, that's just significantly less productive and it doesn't help anyone, including myself. Right. So instead of feeling sorry for myself and people around me and maybe people who are affected as well, it's my best within my best interest to do what I can to make things better, to be there for those people who need it, to be there for myself in the cases of which I need to be selfish. And to go about living my life as the people who passed on would have wanted me to, as if they were still here. And that's the point. And that was well spoken. Do we have any of our um, guests that's on the line? Just um, put in the chat about how you feel about this. We're going to go to a small, small commercial break for about a minute, and then we'll be right back, okay?
right, all right, we're back. We're back, we're back. Thank you, thank you. Always remember we're here every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, and also 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. We have people say, I agree, they are learning this now. They are learning this now. And that's something that is hard. Trust me, I, I don't know about Stephen, but I know it was definitely hard for me to get to the insp inspire myself. But then again, we have to understand from a biblical perspective too as well, why do we um, mourn doing a death? When are you supposed to rejoice? So that's just my, my take on it. Um, we do have a question on the floor. How can you help someone who just don't want to accept reality or death? So do you want to okay. start that one off or should I? Oh, you can start it off. Go ahead, because I have a big question. Go ahead and drop those questions in, people, please. Sure, sure, sure. So, I mean, to, to answer your question, James, in, in short for me, um, let's say we're either speaking about ourselves furthermore or we're speaking about someone that we care about and we see going through this process so we'll touch base on both when you don't want to accept reality or death it's a big part about making that choice making that action for yourself or for your life so having come to the realization that you are in a in a form of denial or realizing that this process that you have is not working for you because it's not a part of reality or at least what you perceive to be reality, then ultimately the choice you have to make is the reality that I am currently in working for me. And if it isn't, what do I need to change in order to make my reality the one of which I want it to be? So that's ultimately how to look at it if you're trying to change something within yourself. If you don't like it the way it is, you have to do something in order for it to be the way you want. So it's a matter of accepting that what you have right now is not what you want and turning it into something you do. And the actions itself are yours to figure out because it's ultimately you and your personal life that only you can best understand. Now, if it's for a friend or someone you care about or someone that you see going through this process and you don't want them to suffer like that anymore, that on a personable level is also very unique as well. You have to know that person. You have to know how they appreciate being approached. And you have to know what, what their supporting factors are. For example, if someone is religious and you understand their religion and you understand what religion they are and you understand what supporting factors of their religion benefit the advice you're going to give, then it wouldn't hurt to incorporate those factors into your advice. So it's something that they can not only relate to or better understand, but also having already aspired to be like that, feel inclined that they are already in that pursuit. Feel that they already are in the process of doing what they need to do. So it's not like starting for, from scratch for them. If it's not something that you can do on a personal level and you're just trying to do this for someone that you know a little bit about, the bet, safest bet you can really make is explaining to them that they themselves have a choice to make, to live within the reality that they are bothered by and the reality of which that doesn't best suit them, or to go about figuring out what actions need to take place within their life for them to alter the reality of which that they are in to the one of which they want to be in. And it's a hard piece of advice to give anybody. 
because without saying it any nicer, it's basically like, well, either you can do something about it and things will change, or you can just continue to feel sorry for yourself and nothing will. And that's a hard pill to swallow for most people. But depending on who you're talking to, you can give the same piece of advice and say it in a way that best benefits the kind of person that they are. So whether it's yourself or it's somebody that you care about and you're trying to change that reality that you have, actions will always be the leading factor behind anything actually changing for the better. So if you really want change, you have to go about making it. And if you don't want change, then you have to accept the reality that you're in. So that's the choice you have to make. Accept what you got and stop feeling sorry for yourself or make the changes necessary to change the reality that's necessary for the life you want to lead. And that's, again, a tough pill to swallow, but it's a lot of one of which that we all need to. Yes, I definitely agree. I definitely want to tag on that um, answer, that question, too. And I think the number one thing is I want to say is I come from a, the therapist's point of view is I would like to ask them, why don't you accept reality or death? Because it gives me an understanding of who they are. And if they don't know, they say they don't know. So how you don't know how you deal with reality or death. I like to know the who, what, when, where, and how. And it gives me an idea of number one is it might just be a hard, like might be a tough pill for them to swallow, like Stephen said. They might not have, have the capabilities or the skill set to deal with it and may need your assistance in helping them to accept reality or death. Some people just don't want to deal with it and they deal with other things or suppress it with other, other, other means of um, different ways of suppressing it. So I think one, one thing is if you want to assist someone who don't want to accept reality or death, um, the first question I would ask them definitely is, why don't you accept reality or death? I know it's a hard conversation, but these are some of the dialogues that we need to be having so we can come back into the truth of things. I know we had Tanya make a comment too as well, and she stated, let me go over here. She stated, we mourn because we develop attachments. Let's talk about that. We mourn because we develop attachments. Well, first off, you made a great point. And that's something that I'm really glad you touched base on, just because it's what I mean when I say the intricacies of an individual are what dictate how that conversation goes. And it's really important to know who you're talking to, whether it's yourself or somebody else. So to ask those what, why, and where questions and everything else, it not only helps you better understand what they're going through, but when that person has the chance to think about it and to talk about it out loud or to type it out to you over a text message, whatever it might be, they are then having to put themselves on the spot and think about it and really lay out what is my problem. Mm -hmm. And when they really lay it out, sometimes they might very well figure out that they are the problem or maybe not even that they are the problem, but they have problems and they need help and they need to accept the help. And that's difficult again to swallow for a lot of people. So I'm glad that we brought that last point up because again, it's, it's not going to ever be the same for yourself compared to the next person. So it's always to rem it's always important to remember that everyone's perception and their ideology 
are what dictates how these conversations go. And that's why we're having these talks now. But uh, back to the original question as to attachments. I mean, it's easy for us to get attached to anything. Yes. I mean, I, I have a, a dog that I love very much. I'm very attached to him. He goes pretty much almost anywhere with me. He can go with me with work. We go on walks. He hangs out with me in my apartment. I'm pretty darn attached to my dog. I'm also very attached to my partner. She's amazing. I have her over every weekend. I love having her over. I love cooking for her. I love hanging out with her. I love doing nothing with her or doing everything with her. I get very attached to her because she's a great person to have around. I get attached to video games. I get attached to my phone. I get attached to having the kinds of foods that I enjoy cooking and eating. There's a lot of things that I've become attached to because I recognize that these are things that are unique in my life that allow me to feel better. But that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that I have attachments because it's mm -hmm. allowed me to find the unique value and not only inanimate things, but people that matter in this world. Things that supplement or incorporate the values or the happiness that I have in my life. Now, the only downside, I think, that can come from having attachments is recognizing when to let go. And the best way I can phrase this is that when you have attachments, it's best to understand what is a healthy amount of attachment and when it becomes obsession. And when you have an obsession with just about anything, it's unhealthy. The word itself is an unhealthy amount of care or want for something. And the reason obsession can sometimes be this way is because ultimately we don't want to have a loss of something of which that brings us that happiness and that core value that we've come to appreciate. So if I just stopped having my dog and my girlfriend stopped coming over, and I couldn't have the same foods and video games weren't an option anymore. And, you know, things that I've come to appreciate like music and art and everything else. If I don't get to touch base on any of those things, I'll feel at a loss in my life and I'll feel the void of that absence. So, again, being attached to anything, it's not a bad thing at all because it's because of those attachments that we found value in life. But... It's also recognizing that when that void inevitably, inevitably takes place, because it will, everyone dies. Everyone leaves whether we like it or not. And on top of everything else, not everything that we have around us, whether it's the company we keep or the inanimate objects that we come to appreciate, are always going to be a guaranteed thing around us either. Life will always have its ups and its downs. That is the roller coaster that we live on. So with that being said, it's okay to have attachments, but it's also most important to understand that when that inevitable void, when that absence comes, when you lose something that you've come to value or to appreciate or to become attached to, you have to be able to understand the consequence and the cost of having something worth caring about. That's the whole point. If you care about something, you have to pay the cost of caring. That's what caring is. Caring means that if it's no longer there, you feel that loss. And that's the price you pay. And I'd rather pay that 10 times over than not care about anything at all. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, my perspective of it 
And I'm just saying from my perspective is basically we do have attachments, but then some attachments are unhealthy and some attachments are healthy. So one thing is what I think about is because I said number one is I think Tanya um, said it earlier. Well, God gave me peace and helped me get through it. Understand that we always want peace. And we know who gives that joy and happiness is God, especially when we surrender to him. But understand from a perspective in whatever religion you is, you have to have some type of peace. And I agree with Stephen is number one is caring and caring. You're going to care for those attachments. You're going to care for different things. But then again, we must continue to live on because we do understand People transition and, and we know, we already know that it's, it's going to happen. And in those attachments and in those, in that, that, that feel or that, that emotional struggle, we're not saying don't grieve. What we're saying is be able to live through it. Be able to keep moving and, and going about your daily routine because some of us do get into a depressive stage or a depressive mode and start thinking more of the person that is absent. But how much energy are we putting back into ourselves to make sure that we live that legacy of that person and the things that we're supposed to do for that person when they transition? So I think my, my, my whole thing is moving forward and also come back to reality of, yes, I love them while they were here. I think in, 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 a, in, in many songs that I hear is, it says, please give me my flowers while I'm living. And see, that's the thing is, we don't put enough emphasis on people sometimes while they're living. And then when they're gone, we have not spent or assumed that time that we thought that was needed enough for them. But then again, they had been on this earth for quite some time. So we have to choose what time we want to spend with those people before they transition. We have to choose that. Now, if you choose not to do it, that's on you. I've seen a lot of people that I've talked to from a grief standpoint saying they wish they had more time. And I said, but they were on this earth for 80 some years. What, what did you miss? while they were here. Well, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. See, now you have to blame you. It's, you, it's the guilt inside that person at that particular time when they feel that they haven't did enough. So we must understand that, please, everybody on here, give everybody their flowers while they're here. We should spend more time. Whether it's a FaceTime call, whether it's whatever, being able to be present for people, especially that we care for. I see we spend a lot of energy on other things, but the right now is what's going to make it happen. Did you, want, did you have anything else to say, Stephen? Uh, that's a very strong point. That's a great, <laughs> that's, that was a great way to put it out. And uh, it just reminds me you know, of a little video I saw on the internet the other day. These guys were standing outside, you know, in a busy area in New York or something, and they were holding a sign that said, call someone you love mm -hmm. and tell them that you love them for 
$5, right? So they were offering $5 for somebody to just stop, make a phone call on speakerphone and tell somebody, hey, I love you, right? Mm-hmm. And a bunch of these people stop with the intention of being like, oh, an easy five bucks. And then, you know, they call their mom, they call their dad, they call their best friend or somebody. And then they have that conversation in front of the camera, in front of the people offering them the money. And I'd say the majority, if not everyone, refuse the money. Mm -hmm. And said, you know what? No, keep, keep the money, give it to the next guy. You know, that was a call I wanted to make. And that's something that you'd be surprised about is that these extra steps that you can take in your life to show the people around you that you care, they don't take a lot of effort and they make everybody feel better, including you. So it's not that hard to pick up the phone and call somebody or shoot a text or check in. And I do it all the time because I realize every once in a while when a friend goes dark and I haven't heard from them in a while, it means they're probably not in a good place. Or that they're really busy and they're overworking themselves or whatever it might be. But I'm going to check in and I'm going to make sure they're okay. And that's a big part of my process now because I've lost friends from not having done that enough. And it's important to realize the fragility of life is not just your own. And if you care about people, that's the cost. Is you have to put in the work so that when they're no longer with you, whether you go first or they do, neither one of you have the regrets that you didn't put in the efforts while they were here. So like you said... Give them their flowers now. It's really great that you said that because that's the whole point. Like, yeah. If we're going to grieve about anything, it's only going to be the fact of the matter that they're gone and we can't have more memories. But it wasn't because we didn't make the right memories beforehand. Yeah. So start making those right memories for everyone. Everyone, start making those right memories. Let's put that in the chat. Let's start making those right memories. Go ahead. Let's Everybody type it in the chat. Let's start making those right memories Uh, because basically this is needed across the land. We have so many people committing suicide and things like that, that we just need to start making those memories and those good memories where when when it starts, let's start, let's start with those right memories. Let's start, let's start. We're going to go ahead and transition to our our, um, self-awareness. So definitely, are you guys ready? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's begin our time together today by becoming peaceful and quiet inside as we learn how giving ourselves compliments for our positive qualities and skills, which can build accurate self-perception. Let's start by getting into a comfortable position. It can be sitting, standing, or lying down. If you choose a sitting position, sit up straight and place your hands on your thighs. Close your eyes if that feels comfortable or gaze softly downward. Breathe slowly 
and deeply in through your nose and out through your mouth three times. In your mind, slowly do a scan through your body, starting with your feet, leading up to your calves, through your knees, and up to your thighs. Notice any places of heaviness or lightness Continue scanning your belly, chest, and out through your arms, your wrist, and fingers. Scan back to your chest and around your back. Notice any places of heaviness or lightness. Go up your neck, through your face, and to the top of your head. As you continue breathing slowly and deeply, think about some of your capabilities that make you who you are. It's normal to be hard on ourselves and focus on our weaker traits. However, accurate self-perception includes being clear about our positive qualities and skills because they make us who we truly are. Think about some qualities you are proud of, such as being helpful, competent, and kind. What are some ways that you can help your family or community? What are some skills that you have developed, like doing well in school, playing music, singing, drawing, or playing sports or games? Visualize yourself demonstrating one of the qualities or skills that you will compliment yourself about. You can use a positive statement set to say something positive to yourself. Start your statement with your name. Everyone say your name. Then you say is. 
whatever their quality is, and you're capable of what? For example, I would say, Judah is kind and capable of listening well. Another example is, Judah is smart and capable of doing well in anything that he does. Now do this for yourself. Imagine yourself demonstrating a quality or performing a skill that you are proud of. Complete the compliment to yourself. Accurate self-perception means knowing our positive qualities and skills as well as our shortcomings and focusing on the good things we bring to life. If you have closed your eyes at this particular time, you may open them now. How did that feel for everyone? Let's hear some things in the chat. What did you notice as you were bringing to mind your positive qualities and skills? What did you notice? What did you notice? What did you notice as you were bringing to mind your positive qualities and skills? Anybody know? Go ahead and put the answer down. Tanya said, amazing. (laughs) Why do you think self-compliments can help build an accurate self-perception? And another question is, how will you use this skill of giving yourself compliments for positive qualities and skills? Start saying self-affirmations. Know that you are smart. So many times we say that we are negative, we're this and we're that. I can't do things like that. Let's start. No one knows you better than you. I like that. No one knows you better than you. The mind is moving. Yes, it moves. It keeps moving, especially if you're saying those good affirmations. If If we stop focusing on those bad things, we can always focus on those good things. So as we leave here today, we understand that number one is we have gone over our time, but we had such a great time and this is needed across the board. We are definitely going to be um, on Instagram live on Sundays at 5 p.m. with Sunday Jewels on the rise. Um, make sure you tune in at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, 5 p.m. Central Standard Time, and 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Sunday Jewels on the Rise, where we have varied topics over there, and that's going to be going all year long. Um, here with Stephen, season five will end March 29th, but we will be here every Tuesday, every Tuesday. So, Steve, did you want to leave with a, a wisdom, um, knowledge, and 
something you want to give these people before they leave some nuggets and some gems uh, I think I think we've had Floyd a lot of talks today uh, but the number one thing that I think everyone should walk away with today is that despite whether it's you trying to help yourself or you trying to take the help you want to give others and, and implement that help it's important to recognize that actions are necessary, but understanding the actions you make before you make them and why. And if you're doing the same things and you're expecting different results, it's the definition of insanity. We've talked about this before. So if you want changes in your life that are actual changes, you have to do different things. So it's, let's not forget that as important as it is to feel some type of way, it's what you do about those feelings that ultimately make the changes that matter to the rest of us. So uh, great talks today. I think we hit a lot of great points. I think everybody really uh, was a big part of the show as well. I appreciate all the questions from everyone in the chat. The more questions you guys have and the more you guys talk with us, uh, the more we can touch base on what we really want to talk about. So we appreciate you guys very much for coming by. And uh, that's all I got for tonight. Yes, and our next show is What is Your Happiness? So come in here with your happiness questions <laughs> because we will be talking about happiness, 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 happiness. Definitely like, subscribe, and also share. If you like it, don't 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 be there. Um, um, let, let you get everything that we're giving you. Share with someone else. Always share, 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 share. You can just drop them the same thing that we're doing every every um, Tuesday. And also you can just um, have them DM us or Instagram us, whatever. Where is, are you on your Instagram, um, Stephen, before we leave? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'll go ahead and put the name in the chat so that way everyone can just go ahead and have it there. It's a little long-winded. But I like I like the chat. <laughs> I like his Instagram tag. <laughs> yeah. Any questions anybody wants to follow? It's a public page. Feel free. Got nothing yes. to hide. Live it up with you guys. Thanks yes. again for everyone stop by. So just know, definitely share. Don't be don't be a stranger. They they don't even have to come on 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 here. They can actually call in and be part of the live studio audience too as well. So we do have online and do we have people that can call in too as well. So as we leave here, we're gonna say, tell a friend, tell a foe, tell your spouse, heck, tell everyone. And we'll see you next Tuesday or we'll see you Sunday on Instagram Live. Have a good night.